When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're live. Hey, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted uh, to cop on here and say that today's episode is sponsored by Man Balls, the only monthly subscription box that is for your balls. <laughs> Go to manballs.com slash crunch for 15% off your first pair of balls. What if it's just they send you like a soccer ball once a month? It's man, man, man balls. balls. <laughs> This week's episode of The Crunch is sponsored by Ethan not knowing the hell what he's doing when he's interviewing someone. This this week this week's episode of The Crunch is sponsored by the roughest interview start we've oh, ever it was done. So bad. Ever. I'm, I was so I felt so bad. I, I saw made your that face stupid ass joke. I was like, "Oh no!" So, I made it was, I I said something dumb, and you, then you I, did something less well, dumb. But mine was still pretty dumb, and so. Yeah, just Regan's going to edit it all out so none of you are going to know. But None of you are going to hear that, but Lisa, Lisa and also Lisa's daughter, thank, thank you, you so much for... <laughs> Lisa, you're so the most gracious. <laughs> Lisa, if we weren't friends already, I, you, you, I mean, you would have been like... We right, style this is, ourselves this is as like the best Catholic podcast. All the other podcasts are so bad and boring. Like we just totally crapped ourselves. Like live. We just... Live on a podcast. <laughs> everyone, everyone saw it. We just... Ugh. We... we it was well the interview's great so what what we ended up doing the interview went the, well. what we ended up doing ended up working really really great we just had to kind of stop and start a little bit so lisa's smart we're not patrick and lisa are smart ethan very much had nothing to contribute for the second half of the episode so it'll be good and i want you all to listen because i learned a lot and i think you guys are all going to learn a lot this is super not a way to start the i think episode. it's great <laughs> i think it's very honest i think people listen to us for our honesty and sure. we'd be lying okay. to them if we were like this week's episode was us and Lisa Cutter, and it was really cool. Like it was really yeah. cool, but you got to know the backstory about how we totally goofed it up. So, <laughs> you know, one of the one of the cool things about the crunch is that we sit down and we have conversations with people that you want to sit down and have conversations with. And sometimes when you sit down and have a conversation with someone, you say something dumb. It felt like we were 19 again. So I think just for that pure energy alone. That was probably what it was. I was like, I was like, <laughs> I'm back in my dorm room and <laughs> um Lisa is an amazing awesome. author, an amazing speaker. She used to work for Focus. She used to be a Focus missionary. Her husband, Kevin, is is amazing, very smart. They they took us out for drinks when Ethan was 21 and I, I wasn't. Had a PBR. And see that that hurts, but it's fine. And um, they they sat with us and, and they they talked to us and they, they gave us a lot of really good advice. And like we, I very much look up to Lisa. I think Ethan's in the same boat as I am with that. She, I am. She's uh, she's very good at ministry. She's she's very good at speaking. She always seems to be collected. She never seems to be off her game. Right? Maybe that's just like a mom thing. Pro- Maybe probably. Is. Is. I, don't I don't know. know. But. Lisa's great, and and she she's a very uh, she's a very smart woman, and she wrote a book about women so like go go pick up a copy i mean i don't know it's like go buy our friend's book you know roll the episode (laughs) that's it that's it that's That's the the intro. intro
Can I? Can we start the podcast? You are free to roam about the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Welcome to the Crunch, the only podcast that's high in protein, high in fat, high in carbs, high in sugar, and low in moderation. It's your boy Ethan, and I'm Patrick. Sugar is a carb. Yes, but not all carbs are sugar. So that's true. It's a kind of a square and a rectangle situation. It really, we got it really is. Patrick, are you feeling good? You feel healthy? I do. I feel actually no. I had an entire bag of kettle corn on my drive here. Right, just to get um, ready, just to gear up for the show. <laughs> I was pre-gaming with uh, a pre-workout <laughs> with <laughs> just a gigantic bag of popcorn that I bought in Steubenville and I drove I, out here. I came home today to do this podcast, and Emma said, "What did you have for lunch?" And I said, "I had nuts." And her her aunt is here, and she's like, "You need three food groups." And I was like, "Yeah, I have walnuts, and cashews, and almonds." <laughs> and she she looked at me very disappointed. Uh, speaking of. Women who are sometimes disappointed in us. We've got a guest. <laughs> I'm kidding. Hey, <laughs> I'm kidding. You're not disappointed. I, didn't in us. Say anything I yet. know. We've got we've got Lisa Cotter on the podcast. Lisa, thank you for being here with us. I'm very excited oh. to to chat with you. I'm excited to be here too and to chat with you all. It is great to be back. It's been a very long time. Those of it you who don't been. know, Lisa Lisa Cotter is a, is, a, is a repeat guest of the show. We were talking about this beforehand. The, the only first... female repeat guest in the history of the <laughs> podcast. Well, I guess Emma has been on twice. Emma has been on twice. So is Phoebe. Fair. So, okay, so is Phoebe. Yeah, the only on. non-wife female guest that's <laughs> been on. <laughs> I think you you guys you came on in the first year. So this is like, this you, is you, you've known the, the Crunch since before we were cool. So. We met you at SLS 2018, I think. Where okay. we, had a, we had a beer with you and Kevin. So yes, I think that's, yes. so it'll be yeah coming up on five years pretty soon, which is kind of nuts. Lisa, when you write a book, did you just like look at it at the world and say like, we need another book on femininity or did you have, did someone come, to, do people come to you and say like, I need you to write this or like, I don't understand how it works when you're kind of in your, in your world, you know? Mm, yeah. Sometimes people will come to you and say, will you write a book on this? And I've had that happen yeah. a couple times, but I I don't consider myself to be a writer, to be oh. honest. I, yeah, it's not something I aspired to. I wasn't thinking to myself one day, oh, I just want to be an author. More so <laughs> for me, it's- <laughs> and the elbow <laughs> and, and the pipes, man. I want to be an aardvark and I want to uh. be in third grade. Oh, wait, that's Arthur. Sorry. <laughs> Yes, man. So it, it, you know, how it happened kind of is I get these, right? Like it's on my heart, right? The Lord's like, I need you to do this, right? So that's how I ended up writing both of my books. Both times it was a very clear call to write the books, not just me sitting around being like, I should write something. So for this particular book, I spoke on this topic in 2013 for the first time. It was a Focus Seek conference. Um, yeah, I don't know why they invited me to give this talk. It's a this is a topic I'd never spoken on, this idea of authentic Catholic femininity. And they reached out to me. They said, we're doing something new with Seek. We're going to have these men's and women's session. And on the first day, we wanted you to talk about authentic femininity. I was like, Makes oh, sense. my gosh. Like, I, Let's define yeah, our terms. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to talk about sure, that was yeah. my first thought. But I sat with it for a while and I was like, you know, I should probably say yes to this. I should probably just do this. Like it's our apostolate at the time. We were focused missionaries. If they think I can do it, great. Ironically, the only other time I'd spoken for focus, I think, I'm pretty sure, was only to men. I had done this talk back in 2010 called Why Do Women Do That? Where I compared, I I didn't compare. I helped men understand women using Taylor Swift lyrics. That makes sense. Speaking the language that they speak. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it just, you know, she kind of summed it up. This was this was Taylor, like pre-angsty Taylor. This was oh, when yeah. she was just like sweet country Taylor. And then she had her transformation, right? So, yeah. So for some reason, they thought if you can talk to all the guys, well, you can talk to all the girls. So that's where it all started was discovering wow. this feminine genius through this assignment. And it really spoke to my heart. And so for 10 years, I spoke on it. And then about two years ago, I always knew I wanted to write a book on this. It was, it's, it's like, I feel like the world needs this, right? I, mm-hmm. I don't write books just to write books. I write books when I feel called to it. And I feel like I have a unique voice that has not been brought out into the world yet. And that's I hope what Reveal the Gift is. Um, There's a lot of great people who have written on the topic from a very academic point of view. And there's a lot of great people writing on the topic from a very practical point of view. But there's not a book that I have found that brings them together. Yes. And that's what I wanted. I wanted a book where we could talk about JP2. We could talk about Edith Stein. We could use quotes from, from popes and from saints and make it digestible. Because I think sometimes if you don't have a degree in philosophy or theology, you just get lost in the verbiage and you just give up, right? Like just sitting down and reading Edith Stein isn't the easiest thing, especially if you don't understand some of the concepts that she's speaking about. So you have to like, you know, pre-read before you can read. Yes. But oh, I, I yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Oh, I know. I, I don't. <laughs> Ethan does. I'm, I'm, I read, I, the last <laughs> time I read Edith Stein was on an airplane. I just cracked her open and, and just, just perusing. Um, so yeah, no, I, I'm, but I have, I have backgrounds in philosophy and theology, but when I talk to people about mm-hmm. gender, it just go, mm-hmm. I, I just, I find myself getting lost in the weeds because I start rethinking things in the middle of the conversation and it's just not, it's not good. But yeah, that, that that's why like when I, when I was reading through when I was reading through the book in preparation for this this podcast, I, I did I did feel that I was oh, like, oh look at you! Oh, yeah, I, I had time to read the book before the interview. Ooh, I was like, I, I, I felt I felt like I felt like I could I could hand this off to a friend who majored in mechanical mm-hmm. engineering. Nothing against mechanical oh, engineers, God. but oh, sorry, no, 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 we can't. I was in electrical, so you can make fun of Mechies all you want. Those are, those guys are losers. Is there an engineering <laughs> cast system? There. Oh, you would be Actually, shocked. I'm sure there is. I'm sure it's very. Can I just? I'll, Sidebar, little window into the world. So mechanical engineers are like that. Every guy wants to be a mechanical engineer because they like cars and they took stuff apart when they were a kid. And so everybody tells them to be a mechanical engineer. And it's also the most versatile. So it's usually the biggest. And so there's the most kind of range in the type of people. So it's easier for the more niche engineering uh, disciplines to really make fun of the mechies. Uh, Same with mech and civil are kind of the two that are just like huge because you can do so many things with it. And then EEs, you kind of it's there's a lot of math, and so not many people do it, and so they always think that they're the best. Uh-huh. And I was dumber than everybody in my class <laughs> as an EE, and so I was uh, I kind of got the brunt of it from every side because I was like not not as cool as the Mechies and not as smart as the EE. So I was just kind of on this little island of like Ethan weird Catholic stupidity, yeah, <laughs> otherwise known as Ethan. <laughs> so <laughs> it was great. Anyway, sorry to distract. Back the to the book. But it was pretty good. Yeah, back to the book. Uh, you were saying something about Edelstein? Oh, just that, yeah, I wanted to make it accessible, but then I also wanted to make it practical. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was the goal. So the book starts with, okay, what did JP2 say? So we look at these 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 different aspects of the feminine genius, and we start with, what did, what did JP2 say? And then we look at the life of a saint and how they lived it, how they exemplified it. I wanted to get practical. Mm-hmm. And then we look mm-hmm. at, okay, how can it go wrong? Because sometimes your greatest gifts can become your greatest like disadvantages, right? Yeah. Things get twisted pretty easily. And then what do we do about it? 
And we're we're back. Sorry, Regan. We have an editor now. It's we're big boy podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's great. Um, so you're speaking of your daughter, because we were talking about your daughter earlier, she made you promise to do Pittsburgh News. Yes. She okay. Did. Luckily, she luckily did. for Ethan, I have one. <laughs> okay. So Ethan run the Pittsburgh News bumper. Uh, Regan run the Pittsburgh News bumper. <laughs> Police say a male victim was shot in both legs in an 11th floor apartment on Stanwyck Street. People that live inside there were stunned to hear the news. I can't recall like one single incident besides like an alarm going off or like, you know, like a dog. Getting a potato chip bag stuck on its head. She reportedly suffered a broken arm and lacerations from the deployed airbag. Her parrot was fine. Angel told officials laws are arbitrary. Welcome to Pittsburgh News. Good to be here. This is a Memorial Day themed Pittsburgh news. Lisa, when you think of Memorial Day, what do you think of? Barbecues, which is maybe shallow. No, 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 no. no that's that was the right answer. <laughs> okay. Oh, good. I win. Patrick, ask me what. What I do you think of? of? What do you think of Memorial Day? The troops, Patrick. Of course. Of course. Dang it. Of course. to the chief. Are we okay? Anyway, I don't know. So the the thing about Memorial Day is every barbecue needs a good hot dog, right? Every Memorial Day needs a good hot dog. But jar the, of pickles. <laughs> but this Memorial Day, some people probably didn't get their hot dogs. Okay. Oh this no! Is the I'm Pittsburgh ready. News. Oh gosh. Uh, well, I need to scroll up. Dang it. Okay. Fifteen thousand pounds of hot dog filler spills on <laughs> <laughs> spills onto a Pennsylvania highway after a truck oh, crash. No. <laughs> You guys want a picture of it? <laughs> yes. Oh, my oh, nose shit. hurts right thinking do you, about that. Do you, do you guys know that stuff that like, how do I describe it? Um, you know what bubble gum looks like after a little bit of time? Imagine that, but the size of a semi truck and it's all over Route 7, like Interstate 79. Oh, um, brutal. The first line of this article is, that's got to violate the five second rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also yeah, This writer... This guy's working on his type five in his articles for <laughs> KMBZ. Written by David Matthews. I love his music. Um, about <laughs> about 50,000 pounds of roadkill was returned to its natural habitat Monday after. Yeah, this guy is working on his type five. <laughs> after a tractor trailer transporting hot dog filler, sometimes called pink slime. Ugh. And Ew. other meat products crashed onto a Pennsylvania highway, spilling the cargo on the road. The incident occurred on May 20th on I-70 in Westmoreland County, PA, outside Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh News. Uh, the two occupants were on the scene. They suffered minor injuries, etc. cetera. Uh, the Pennsylvania state police said the driver was speeding and the brakes weren't working. Ooh. That's Precious terrible. cargo. First- other meat products. I'm hung up on other meat products because <laughs> pink slime could be considered meat. And they would say like the pink slime and also some lamb chops, but like, it's clearly not like a normal piece of meat. Like I'm no. just wondering other than pink slime, what other quote unquote meat products are there that are so nondescript that they can't tell me that it's like salami? You sure. Know? Yeah. It's probably other sausage fillers. You think? Yeah. So explain to me, you guys might know this sausage. Is it just like the bits of the, of the animal just kind of all, cause I know they put it through that thing. Sure. You know? Yeah. Like that episode of Seinfeld where they're doing that in the in Jerry's apartment. I think it's like the leftovers, and then they just jam it all into one thing. And but how is it so? If it's the leftovers, how is it so good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the best thing about the. That's the best that's thing it. about the uh, is about these tractor trailers. They use every part of the of the pigs. They do. <laughs> they do. You know, they use every part. Of it. <laughs> 
just imagine Native Americans taking down a buffalo and then making <laughs> hot dogs out of it. Inevitable <laughs> world. Part. They're so they're so resourceful. Even the bones. I I was I was researching this this article and I came across a a video about hot dogs and it was one of those like fluff pieces filler pieces yeah. if you will for uh, local news shows about um, hot dogs taking thirty six minutes off your life. Every hot dog takes thirty six minutes off your life. Wow! Yeah, and they they did like the math on how many uh, how many hot dog how many minutes off of his life Joey Chestnut took off by um by yeah. all those all those hot dogs. Thirty six minutes is that worse? I, I don't know how. Is that worse than smoking? I don't I don't know how they calculate this because like <laughs> Patrick, can you look up real quick how many li- minutes off your life a cigarette takes? Sure. So we're just because I want to know how many cigarettes I can eat before I die. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be important to me. Are hot dogs a big thing in your household, Lisa? No, I made one for my daughter the other day, and she was like, "This is gross." She's eight, by the way. She okay, need it. props to her for knowing fake factory food when she sees mm-hmm. it. Guys, that must mean you guys have a lot of good stuff. Patrick, tell me, cigarettes only take eleven minutes off. Your <laughs> <laughs> we are eating tonight. We are going to guys. It's I am going to get some camel crushes right now, and I'm going to just hork them down. <laughs> Next Memorial Day, do not slap some do not slap some dogs on the grill. Slap some ciggies on the grill. It'll be much healthier for everyone involved. Look at what opening up the lid Ooh. and just seeing a bunch of cigarettes laid out <laughs> in the same way that hot dogs are kind of on the angle you know then so they were like then nice. they were like oh eating a salad will add 10 minutes to your life and they're like okay i gotta like down a bunch of hot dogs eat a couple of ciggies and then just slam some salad to some make salad. up the difference i don't think that's how food works it's sh- but it should be it should be how food works yeah like you remember that movie with justin timberlake do you guys remember those that movie with like justin timberlake and he had they had like they had like minutes on their arm and they paid for things using yeah. time. Do you about that? time. Is that called about time? I'm pretty sure it's called about time. That sounds about right. Time's time's up. <laughs> the movie. Yeah, that's it. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, how do horse how supplies get in anywhere? They just. But what are know, they doing in those factories? They don't walk in. Like. <laughs> okay, thanks, Patrick. <laughs> we should get back to the book. We probably need to start with what is the feminine genius? Is probably like the best place to to kick this off. Yes. Um, well, it's a, it, that's a it's a tough question to answer actually because John Paul II never defined the feminine genius himself. He never came out and said the feminine genius is or, you know, the the genius of woman is. And in fact, you know, people will say, oh, John Paul II coined the feminine genius and he didn't coin it. He made it popular. 
So way back, the, I tried to research. The, the furthest back I could see is 1934, Gertrude von Lefort. That's a name. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. There's, there were all these German philosophers with Eichstein um, around that time who were speaking on this idea of the nature of woman and writing, I should say, more so. So they're doing this writing, and we know JP2 picked up Eichstein. I'm sure he probably picked up Gertrude von Lefort. I imagine these people may have known each other. I, I don't know. I mean, how many female German philosophers were writing on, you know, gender at the time, too? <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I would have said one before Gertrude von yeah, Lefort. Yeah. So people think her book was 1954 because that's when it was translated to English. But it was written in 1934, so even further back, right? So, so you're getting this idea. These women are starting to talk about this concept, and JP two is is reading her works. At least we know for sure he Stein. And so he's he's kind of borrowing from them, and that's not a problem, right? JP two is brilliant. He knew where to search when he wanted to talk about things, yeah. and I think the reason why we see Mollison talking about authentic femininity in the 80s and 90s is because this was a time in the world when to be a woman meant you asserted yourself like a man. Like that was femininity, right? You're going to become like a man. You're going to show them that anything a guy can do, a girl can do it better. And that was authentic femininity. And JP too is watching this and saying, hold the phone. That's going to be a problem. If women just try to become like men, we're going to have a lot of problems in our church coming up here. And not just our church, we're going to have a lot of problems in our world, in our society, because there's there's purpose to gender, right? There's two genders for a reason. So... So JP2 starts talking about this. And that's, I think, why we kind of attribute it to him. But like I said, he never defined it. Uh, Also, like, I think sometimes in the world, we want this to be like doctrine. (laughs) And so we start to make claims and statements when this is not doctrine. The feminine genius is not something you're going to see debated in a council one day. This isn't something that's the Trinity. This isn't something that is the Immaculate Conception where we got to nail this and get this right and emphatically speak on it. So JP2 really leaves it for us to speculate on, to ruminate on, to to have Mm -hmm. a conversation Mm -hmm. about. And so um, defining it can be a little bit difficult, right? Um, So I like to take my cue, though, from – have you all heard of Sister Prudence Allen? Yes, I knew. I knew you would, Patrick. <laughs> I read. I read some of these books. I so I. I wrote. I wrote my my senior thesis on uh, gender, on masculinity and femininity when I was in college, and so I picked up some of her stuff when I was reading. Yeah, for that when I was studying for that. There you go. And I look back, and it's like very. It's very bad. So I, it's. <laughs> it was fine, but I've changed my mind. Oh. Interesting. That's a conversation right there. Um, Yeah. So Sister Prunes out. She's kind of the one that I turn to. So she's a gender of philosophy, a philosophy of gender. Sorry. (laughs) What would a gender of philosophy be? I don't know. But she's a philosopher of gender. She's (laughs) both of them just look to the sky as if they wanted to contemplate that. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what's a gender of philosophy? You've lost us both because we're trying to come up with a joke. (laughs) Uh, Philosopher Jenny. So she wrote this Magnus Opum, like 2,000 words on the concept of woman. And she gets to page like 1,990 and finally gets to JP2. So, I mean, she's thorough. Okay. Here's how she defines the feminine genius. And this is the one that I go off of. So the phrase genius of woman refers to a way of being, acting, and loving in the world, which manifests a unique creativity in human relationships. Right? So for her, this, this genius is not like Women are so smart. That's how mm. I first took it. <laughs> it was like, oh, the feminine genius is how smart women are. JP2 is like, oh, that's not what I was going after, right? No, it's, it's, it kind of reminds me of what, 
Edith Stein said when she said, the world doesn't need what women have, it needs what women are, right? It's who we are. It's our nature. It's how we were created. Mm -hmm. And that creation, the way in which we were made, manifests a unique creativity Mm -hmm. in our human relationships. So it's Mm -hmm. it's like this person-oriented nature of woman. It's the way that women relate to the world, relate to the people around them. And JP2 would often talk about how women see people with their hearts. There's something unique about us where we see people as people first and foremost. This isn't to say, oh, men are just like cold calculating creatures who have no hearts. (laughs) But there's something unique about the way that woman views the world and views others. And that affects the way then she responds to the world and acts in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's what JP2 didn't want to lose. He didn't want us women to try to become like men and lose a piece of that that feminine nature that is complementary to to the masculine nature not exclusive right so he goes on sorry am i going on too far do, you, do y'all need to say something no 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 I, this is this is my this is my i love okay. this this is so great patrick is just listening to his own personal podcast right now <laughs> He's, he's, he's having a great time. Yeah, I have, no, I have like, I, while you were talking, I have like three different connections and I'm like, have you read this? Have you read this? But I'm holding it back because I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to step on, on your, on your vibe. No. I don't want to step on no, your No, that's group. good. Um, okay. Well, let me, let me just say this because I think another yeah. piece that confuses people with feminine genius is that there's this, um, framework that it has become very popular. It talks about the four aspects of the feminine genius. Have you come across this? No. Wow, Patrick. It's news to me. Okay, so you'll see this. People will do like blog series or podcast series on the four aspects of the feminine genius. And the problem is, is we as Catholics, sometimes we just, we want doctrine. We just want it to be like, here it is, lay it out. There's no other way around it. We just want it to be black and white. But the reality is, is there's not four aspects of feminine genius. JP2 himself never said there were four aspects of the feminine genius. He never said there were eight. He never gave a number. He himself never came out and said, Mm. Here are the aspects of the feminine genius. But what happened is like in the early, the late 90s, somebody wrote an article for Catholic Answers on the feminine genius. And in it, they talked about the four aspects of the feminine genius. And then when you search, what is a feminine genius? It's the first article that pops up. And so everybody who Mm. wanted to talk about the feminine genius would Google it. They'd find this. And all of a sudden it was like, (laughs) and now we have doctrine. I'm like, what is happening, people? Like you can't, that cannot be your research mechanism. (laughs) So it's not. Man, I took this whole class on development of doctrine. They didn't mention Google (laughs) at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cardinal Newman had no idea what was coming. Newman's eighth development, essay on development of Christian doctrine is on SEO. It's on... (laughs) (laughs) SEOs. <laughs> it's right? Good. It's like it's a new thing though in the mm-hmm. church, right? Like how we talk about things is very much affected by how people are talking about things on the internet. And oh yeah. Yeah. And it can be it can become problematic. Now I'm not I reached out to this author because I was like, where did she find that? I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm not seeing where JP2 says this. And her response literally was, I don't know. I'm like, you don't know where – she's like, maybe it was my own succinction. Maybe somebody else gave it to me. But like, it was just – that was her assignment for the week. But yeah. that was the first thing on the mm. internet about it. And so so I'm not like knocking anybody who's used this. And most people who do use this will say in a caveat, like, this is a popular framework. But most people don't hear that because they're just perusing and they're seeing these four bullet sure, points. Yeah. And they it. think – yeah. They think here it is, right? And so it becomes problematic mm-hmm. though because the women go, oh, these are the four things that it means to be a woman. And if they don't identify with that very well or if they struggle with some of those four words, then they think, well, I suck at this. I'm not good at it. I'm not feminine enough. I can't I can't do this. And it becomes 
Yeah. It becomes a problem. Women start yeah. to feel ostracized. They don't feel like they belong in the church. And so, so in the book, I pull out eight words. Um, and I make it very clear that these are not the eight aspects of the feminine genius or gifts is what I call them. But these are some of the ones that John Paul II talked about frequently. And here's the other caveat I want to make sure everybody understands is these eight words are not exclusive to women. So Benedict XVI and was on the collaboration of men and women and church and society, something long like that, talks that. about, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. It's a really oh, it's good awesome. one. I'm like, everybody needs to read this. Everybody needs to read this. So he- Link in description. Please do. Please do. Yes. Um, no. So he talks about how, how there are these gifts and he's talking about these amazing gifts of women. And then he gives this little caveat and he says, but these, these gifts are not exclusive to women because above all, these are human gifts. Then he says though, but because of woman's nature, basically, I'm summing him up here, right? She is the privileged sign of these gifts. And so when I first started hearing about the four aspects of the feminine genius and things, it would make me mad. One of them is generosity. I'd be like, oh, so only women have to give of themselves generously and men get to sit on the couch and eat hot dogs, right? <laughs> so that they picked up on their way home on I-70. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> What's up? It's your husband, the slime boy. Thanks, babe, for going and picking up some more slime for me, your husband, who just sits here. Thanks. That's my, that's my, yeah. that's it. If you, if you want to know what marriage is like, folks, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> sitting, on your, sitting on your butt, waiting for your wife to deliver another bucket of slime. <laughs> anyway. Oh, so I guess I heard that. I, I, it made me mad yeah. because I was like, oh, so I guess this is only for me. Or there were other words that I just didn't identify with. And I was like, well, I guess that means I'm out. Mm-hmm. But Benedict is saying, Everybody's called to this. These are human values. It's just that women are going to express them in their unique way, but men are still called to be generous. They're called to be generous in their unique mm. way. And they actually have to learn generosity from the women in their lives who have a uh, unique expression of it because of their nature, right? So so that actually really helped me. That yeah. freed me up a lot because then it didn't make it like, oh, these are boxes and I have to fit into them. Not to say that gender is completely fluid, but there's freedom in this playing field that I didn't know existed until I started reading the works of the church. So I've heard it, I've heard it put this way is, is the domain of persons and the domain of things like the, um, mm. have, have you read Deborah Savage on? Okay. So she, she, she wrote a, she wrote yeah. a paper called the genius of man a while back. And that was one of my primary sources. Right. And nice. she wrote another thing. Um, she wrote another essay for a for a book that's coming. She's a professor at Franciscan, so she sent me a a, a pre a pre approved draft. So I I got I got the inside scoop, um, and I was very excited about this. And she nice. she mentioned the uh, the division that she that she puts out is the the domain of persons, the domain of things, which is what you were saying that Sister Prudence Allen was talking about with this this proclivity towards relationships. And I think we tend to when people say stuff like that, mm. we do te- we have a we have a preconceived notion of what a relationship is. We have a preconceived notion of what it means to be good at relationships or or have a, spe- a special genius when it comes to relationships and so we we write that back onto femininity but it's 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 not that at all it's there's so many different ways to be in relationship there's so many different ways to have domain over things that like it, it's not it's not limiting masculinity it's actually opening up what relationships mean it's 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 not it's not limiting masculinity it's it's opening up relationships and and objects in creation to the freedom that men and women have to does that make sense yeah right ethan does that make sense yeah yeah it does it cool does. all right sweet because I, I i'm having a little bit i'm having a little bit of an epiphany here this is oh yeah it's it, 
Patrick, and, and he's out for another six months. <laughs> what? So, nothing. Sorry. <laughs> John, John, ah, that's funny. Uh, John Paul II. John Paul II in, uh, in Love and Responsibility has this little, little tiny. If you blink, you'll miss it. Um, on on what mm. what woman has to teach man, and he talks about mm. how uh, women have the not just women in general, but like the mother of a child becomes a mother physically at the same time that a father becomes a father. Like they, she, the baby's conceived, they're a mother and a father, but he says that she becomes a spiritual mother before he becomes a spiritual father. And I saw this when I was, when, when Phoebe and I were, were going through our pregnancy, I was like, I was looking at the ultrasound and I was looking around. And I was like, this is so cool. And Phoebe was just locked on that baby. Like she was just, she, she was like feeling him kick all the time. And she would be like, I love him so much. Like I never want him out. And I'm like, no, I want him out. Like I, I want him out. I want to hang out with him and I want to give him to people to hold. And like, I want him to, you know, and, and I'm just excited for, for this kid to, to be out. And, but she's just like, I, she, she already had so much love for him and she kind of had to like teach me that love. And John Paul II says this, he says that mm. women are supposed, the mother is supposed to like mm-hmm. The father bestows physical maternity on the mother, but the mother bestows spiritual paternity on the father. And there's this like this give and takes like if when we separate things and say this is where woman's genius is, it's not like and therefore man can't do this. It's this is what you have to give mm-hmm. then. It is a it's a it's a gift like you say in your book. It's like the, these are these are things that mm-hmm. that we educate each other on and which and then I become more like a woman mm-hmm. by my wife teaching me spiritual maternity. I become more, I become more fully human because I can, I can, I can comprehend within myself the yeah. gifts that femininity has that I don't have naturally. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I love it. You, yeah. That, that fully human, like that's JP two language right there. The idea that masculine, the duality of the masculine and the feminine, right? When that is realized, that's when the human finds full realization, which is why it's so important that we understand the gift of masculinity and the gift of femininity because we're going to lose a piece, not just of one mm-hmm. gender or the other, but yeah. of humanity. As I, want, I want to hear more about the um, the thing that you mentioned earlier. You said, uh, you talked about how in the 80s and the 90s, the attitude was women need to, in order to be really masculine, in order to be really feminine, women need to be more, more like men, more like masculine. <laughs> that little slip there was accurate. Um, to what extent do you still see that? And to what extent more specifically, do you see it in the church? Because I mean, we could, we could, we could talk about how abortion and contraceptive contraception and, you know, forced sterilization, not forced, but like, you know, voluntary sterilization makes you more masculine biologically. But I, I'm more interested in mm. our listeners are probably going to agree with that. I'm more interested in like, how do we see this masculinization of femininity in Catholic circles? Well, I mean, I think it's still prevalent in the world. It's not maybe as shouted to the rooftops as it was back then because um, now we're seeing gender mm-hmm. right as more like fluid. It's more, you know, whatever you want it to be. We shouldn't, you know, put anybody into a box either way. But I think it's still an underlying uh, thing that we're dealing with in the secular world for sure because the gifts of women aren't really valued. Uh, I, mm, I would say in some circles, especially sure. in kind of cutthroat situations, right? Like thinking about how will this affect my clients if we make this policy change isn't going to help the bottom line if it's something that is, um, you know, not it, it 
cuts back on your profit, but is human, right? So like, there's still that encouragement, I think, of taking business's business in and making it kind of hardball as opposed to considering the how this affects the human, right? And and also just, I mean, I just, you know, in general in the business world, it tends to be that women's natural gifts and inclinations aren't going to be mm-hmm. as valued. I'll just say that, right? And the church, I think, um, I think we're getting better. I think that people are maybe perhaps I don't know. I I feel like with the feminine genius, I think JP2 did hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. I think he did wake some people up. I think he did give us some freedom to speak from this. So I I, I do want to say that, yeah, I do think that things are getting better. You don't see as much, maybe this is just in my circle, but you see women more, more than perhaps they were in the 80s and 90s, seeing that there's a place for them as women in the church. And it's not seen as a threat. It's not seen as a... Um, it's not seen as something that is devaluing women when we say, well, women can't be priests, right? There's more of an understanding, I think, thanks to JP2's theology of the body, thanks to Molière Stignatatum, since those gifts that, that they are uh, given have been have have been brought to light and have been highlighted. Um, so I guess I would just say I think it's getting better. Do you see some places? I'd be curious to see. Is there something you have in mind where you see this still being an issue in the church? Not to say that it's it's not. I just think we're getting better. The push for women deacons is still happening, so we can't forget about that by certain mm. uh, people in the church, so we don't need to necessarily... Are we talking about up, the diaconate? I can rant about that, too. Do a minute? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and people just trying to trap Pope Francis in a corner to say that like it is possible or that it will happen or that it won't happen or whatever. Like It just seems to keep cropping up. I think I think that's I think thing. that's a fair critique because like that is that is I mean the diaconate is is masculine the, the holy orders is masculine and so right. like saying women need to be this in order in to order value to be, yeah, yeah in order yeah. to be valuable mm-hmm. that that that's definitely degrading mm-hmm. I think but I'm 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 trying to I'm, I'm just trying to think like okay none of our none of our listeners are are even if they do think women should be deacons they can't do anything about it I so know, like yeah. you know. It's, uh, Tough turkey. <laughs> what what about what about like in in our I don't know in our campus ministries, youth ministries, in our Bible studies, in our parish councils, whatever. Like, what do we what um do we expect women to be there hmm. and not be different? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, do we do we not acknowledge? Mm-hmm. I mean, even this, right? Like the um. I work on a I work on a small team of now five people. It was four people uh, previously, and um, or she's it was five people. Then one guy left. So it was it was me. It was the first team I'd ever worked on in a church that was all men. So most of my time in church work, it's been all mm-hmm. ladies and me because I'm not a priest. I work in faith formation, and so all the it's all the it's all the ladies and me. And uh, I worked. I was on a team where everyone was a man except for the administrative assistant, and so we would all be goofing off and doing like, you know, making dude jokes, you know, yeah. and just being guys, you know, nice. and then, and then sucking one of the, down slime. <laughs> just we're all, we all had our own couch, <laughs> our own slime to suck down. We had all, we um, had a bunch of straws that went into the same bucket. We were just, it was awesome. And, and now, and now, and now they're, they're <laughs> and now, um, yeah, that visual. We added um, some. We hired someone onto the team who was the the spouse of of one of of one of the guys, and like the dynamic of the team changed, and not for the worse mm-hmm. at all. It's much more productive and more mature. Um, but I think 
I think in church world or in our everyday lives, like we don't, we expect androgyny. And by that, I mean, like we expect to be this, we expect to, to exist in this neutral space everywhere outside of family life. We expect to live in this neutral genderless space. And so when women come into that picture, we don't look at them as women. We look at them as just another person who happens to have the sex of female. And that genderlessness, that genderless human being is very masculine. And so I, I, I think, mm. I think we, we have this like mm-hmm. in, inbred, in, inbred, in, ingrained mindset of androgyny of like neuter gender that, um, doesn't allow for femininity mm-hmm. to enter. I don't Have you experienced anything like, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm. I do. And as we, as we're having this conversation, it's reminding me just a couple of weeks ago, I was at a party and somebody very influential in our diocese, not the bishop, but, um, somebody who works for the bishop's office, a priest, I was talking to him about my book and and going through uh, just kind of what it's about. And he was really processing you tell. And he was like, huh. He's like, huh. He's like, you know, Lisa, we're talking right now in the church, at least in our diocese, we're really talking about the idea of being missionary disciples and how we kind of need to blow up how we've done it in the past. And we can't just uh, continue to do what we've always done and expect different results, but we need to really change the way that we are approaching evangelization, the way that we are approaching, even the way we function as a church going right from from uh, maintenance to mission, right? This is kind of Catholic lingo that's popular right now. And he said, you know, I, the, the voice of women is so important in all of this. And he was referring to, because we were talking about how John Paul II says, you know, women need to be in all spheres of society, right? We need that complementarity in all spheres of society. So obviously, yes, in the church and its proper place, which is basically anywhere, but the sacraments, right? (laughs) Like pretty much, pretty Mm -hmm. much. That's a loose, that's a loose comment. Um, And he said, why is it, Lisa, do you think that we're still in this framework where to work for the diocese, it has to be a 40 hour work week where you come in from nine to five. And he said, why can't we reimagine this? If we need more, if we need women's voices more, why don't we have jobs that are available that are 20 hours a week? Why don't we have jobs that are available where women can work from home still do? Yeah. Yeah. Things like this, like it right, still do their primary role as wife and mother well and with confidence, but then at the same time, be able to, contribute in the in the church and contribute in what it is that we're doing in parish life. Why would we waste all this time and energy investing in what the true authentic vision of masculinity and femininity is when we could just ape what the business world does and make <laughs> and work everyone to death and yeah. not pay them? You know? <laughs> Sounds great. The reason why every job at the diocese is 40 hours 9 to 5 is because we're we're exact we're aping the mm-hmm. the business world and the business world is the same thing. It's it's increasingly androgynous where you have to put in these like like, oh, well, you get, you know, mm. maternity leave so that you can kind of be like a man, you know, you get, we'll fly you to Texas, we'll fly out of Texas to get, you know, a procedure so you can be more like a man. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's so funny. And I, I'm really glad that I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. You're in Denver, right? I, Denver. I'm excited yeah, to see what happens. Yeah, well, and it reminds me, I, I need to follow up with him on it because, I mean, you really could see the wheels turning and it was like a thought that was formulating as we were talking and it just was like light bulb. I'm like, yeah, like. Why don't we accommodate to the needs of each gender into family life when we are supposed to be the pro-life community? (laughs) So, because I mean, we can't we can't blow up, you know, the the need for a wage. Where none of us are going to be able to subsistence farm anytime soon. So, like, 
Catholics, Catholic companies, including dioceses and, and, and apostolates and newspapers and all this need to accommodate for the fact that increasingly two income households are necessary, but you should, you know, instead of, instead of just trying to like jerry rig it so that ge- gender equality is the same, why not just like make it, you know, like just pay them this and you get a full-time wage for 20 hours a week and you can just go raise a family. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, I think it's a great idea and I think we do need to be more it it is astonishing to me how small we think when it comes to these things and how we just sit in what we've been fed our whole lives and we just kind of drink that Kool-Aid and we don't uh like we learn these things and we're like cool 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 jump all a second cool 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 Edestein cool 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 Lisa Cotter and then we just kind of like go back and just keep doing what we've been doing. You know, like nothing mm. functionally changes about how we live in the church, which in theory, like the church should be, like if you look at how some Protestant denominations operate and like the radicality with which they dedicate their time and their resources and their energy, it really puts us to shame. Just like how creative they get with what they do in their communities, whether it's serving the poor or whether it's supporting their uh, the members in their church. And then we just kind of stick to like we have this depth and wealth of these traditions and it's just been stagnant in this area, which I think is, is uh, shocking. We're very old and very slow. We're very old and very slow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good way to put it. But it's funny because the church in America is not that old. I feel like we should be a little more spry, a little I, more you think so. Spring up out of bed. You get to work. That kind of thing. We're going to get America back to work. Anyway. <laughs> out of the eight, what's your oh. favorite? Lisa, I just want to know. Out of the eight, what's your um, I think I'd have to go with receptivity. Mm. Mm-hmm. Great. That's a that's, that's a, a good, good one, one because that's a great example. So I receptivity was basically when I, in my thesis, it was how I mm-hmm. defined femininity. And this lady, Dr. Savage, was like, Well, Patrick, or no, 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 this was okay. This is name drop time, but it's fun. The guy who translated Theology of the Body, Mikhail Waldstein, he was my advisor for this. Say it, say it right. Mikhail Waldstein. (laughs) (laughs) I hope he never listens. I hope he listens every Um, day. (laughs) He he was like, but Patrick, um, in the garden, Adam received Mm. Eve. Like God gave her to him. And I was like, oh no. You're right. Um, House of Cards collapsed. And so, like, in that and so, like, receptivity, right? I, I guess, I guess, it's like, how do I, how do I go and, but there, there mm-hmm. is something receptive. Like the the body is, is built to receive mm-hmm. a child and and feed the child, right? It's it's there's something there's something beautiful about the receptivity and like and I mean I, there there you know these you know ladies that just make you feel at home mm-hmm. when you go to a place mm-hmm. you know. Like mm-hmm. waiter at Waffle House <laughs> calls you baby, and you're just like, I love this. <laughs> um, but you know, th- there's so many different ways to be mm-hmm. receptive. So if I were to go and and walk up to you know a random Joe Schmo on the street, Jane Schmo, I'm a, I'm a guy, so let me like, what do you think femininity is? Matt Walsh comes up to me and asks me, "What's a woman? What is a woman?" And I talk about like, well, I, I mean, it's hard to define that, like just in a, in a sentence. But let's talk about an aspect of femininity. Let's talk about receptivity. How do I define it to this to this woman um, without sounding like I'm, you know, describing her to herself? Be like, this is what you are. This is the box that I'm putting you in. How do I how do I describe receptivity to someone without putting them in a box? Putting you want me to put them in a box or not putting them into a box? Okay. <laughs> without putting them in a box. There was a no glitch box. that no sounded like put them into a box. I was like, 
The Crunch Podcast has outlawed putting women in boxes. No we box. are not As doing it today. anymore. No more boxes. Uh, I would like to apologize for my previous behavior of putting women in boxes. <laughs> Refrigerator boxes, mistakes. dishwasher boxes. I'd like to apologize that all have been affected by my, my actions. Especially the women that are. I've made a severe and continuous lapse of judgment. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah. So well, receptivity. Okay. Well, I think so. Receptivity. I think when you go to the theology of the body, right? That's like the first thing you think of. JP two talking about how men are givers, women are receivers. Or I should say Chris, Christopher West more so, right? <laughs> men are givers, women are receivers. It's written on our bodies. There's nothing yeah. untrue about that. But I think what happens is sometimes then we limit that to okay, so men are givers, period. Women are receivers, period. And there's no overlap. And so I think what we have to recognize is this is something that's first and foremost written on our souls, right? We were made in the image of God and God's image is what? It's a giving and receiving of love, right? So that image is is born on both of our souls, both masculine and feminine, but um, both men and women, right? But it's revealed in a privileged way through woman who has it not just written on her soul, but then revealed through her body, the way in which she receives. So there's something I think that's beautiful about the idea that women, like you said, were made to receive and that manifests itself in a physical way, right? Obviously, in the basic biology, women receive in the marital embrace, as we'll call it today. Um, but then we also see that in her spirituality as well, right? Like you said, the woman at IHOP is like receiving you. We receive people into our hearts. We receive people into our homes. That hospitality that we have is, is a unique display of receptivity. We receive people onto our calendars. If something's happening in a friend's life, it's very natural for a woman to just drop everything and say, yeah, I need to be there for my friend. What, how can I support you? How can I be there for you? These things are just are natural for us. And I think that most women, when they step back, they can relate to that in the way they see in their life. I think the problem is, is when we stereotype these gifts and we go, well, this is how your receptivity is supposed to look. Yeah. It's supposed to be mm-hmm. just baking cookies for church functions. That's how you receive others into your home, right? <laughs> and so it, the problem with stereotyping is that, well, there's like, uh, somewhat of a, a, a typicalness going on. We can't we can't send it to the stereotypical level without ostracizing some women. And so, while not every woman mm-hmm. may identify with receptivity in in those niche ways, if they look at their lives, they're going to find ways that they exemplify and live receptivity in their own unique way. And that's what I think we need to to encourage. And that's why I think sometimes you get these problems is because. We have these stereotypes of what femininity is supposed to look like, when in reality, the playing field, as I called it earlier, is a lot bigger. And so I would appeal to those places where yeah. a woman naturally is inclined to, well, yeah, that's true. Like when my my brother comes in town, like, yeah, I, I like make up the guest bedroom for him and I go to the store and I buy his favorite cookies. I won't bake his favorite cookies for him. That's not me. But I, I know what it is <laughs> and I still want to w- make him feel welcomed, you know, so it, it's like being okay yeah. with that and not making or shaming women if they don't fit a certain box when we're shaming them into something that mm. the church isn't even asking of us. Like, yeah, it's yeah, that's, yeah. it's not. It's like I said, it's it's not the it's not the activity that defines you. It's like the the re, the receptivity is how you do these mm-hmm. act any activity. It's like how how you do filling out your taxes. <laughs> that's a stupid example, but it's, it's a great example, Patrick. Thank you. Come on. 
I mean, mm-hmm. like loving your children, mm-hmm. like how you do this activity that you both men and women are supposed to do mm-hmm. is going to be different based on who you mm-hmm. are and who you are as part of your, your feminine. Thank you. That That's helpful because it's like, I, that's really great. Let's yeah. define it by the activity. How does this look? Well, it's different for every woman. How does it look mm-hmm. for you? Lean mm-hmm. into it. That's what lean into the things that are receptive or, or gift. If you want to use the, the Westian framework. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause Edith, Edith talks about this, um, this like that there's the human nature and there's the masculine and feminine expressions. Then mm-hmm. there's individual expressions of the masculine expression of human nature. And I think we like to flip those around where it's like, there's a human nature and there's an individual expression of the masculine expression. Um, and that individual expression is true for it. It should be the, this way for everyone. Every man mm-hmm. should lift weights and every man should anyway. And also I think it, have you read Ivan Illich? No, no. Don't. Okay. Don't. It's, oh it's boy. Too, too, it's never gonna. It's never gonna go into a book. <laughs> um, it's, it might be fun. Might be worth your time. Um, he he's, he he talks about how like different localities have different expressions of masculinity mm-hmm. and femininity, mm-hmm. and like it, we we have too broad of it. We have mm-hmm. too large of a culture to like define masculinity and femininity for someone in Fairbanks, Alaska, mm-hmm. and someone in Orlando, Florida. You know, it's like crazy that to expect that those two men and those two women are going to mm-hmm. act exactly the same femininity wise. So I think like maybe that, that's also a helpful part of the conversation being like, it looks different for every person in every, every region, in every city, every state. Mm-hmm. Well, all you have to do is look to the lives of the saints to see the truth in this, right? We've got, we've got, you know, um, our, yeah. our girl, Joan of Arc, right? The warrior, how Arc. she was expressing her spiritual motherhood mm-hmm. as she's leading the army. She was at 16 like stabbing and killing men. <laughs> <laughs> those those mongrel Englishmen getting them out of there. Yes. Yeah. Just really just doing it. Yeah. Doing a great job. So there. different from Teresa Lisu, the little flower who's in her cloister. Right. But both of them are saints. Both of them. One dressed up like the other. <laughs> that's right. That's right. One greatly admired the other. That's right. And so I think so I think that anytime we try to put yeah femininity into a very, very tight box, we have to recognize that we're stereotyping to some degree. Even within the church, there's, you know, tight little boxes. If you don't have the right Catholic planner, if you don't have the right art on your wall. <laughs> Sorry, you just you just went right for the jugular with that one. <laughs> really did. Women, if you're listening to this, sit down. I thought you were going to be like, oh, if you don't like do bingo. No, no, you just, you've left the church ladies alone. You went right for the influencers. Dang. Yes. But it's true. There's this yeah. pressure of like, I don't have the right catholic influencer t-shirt or i don't know who i'm supposed to follow on instagram right and it it just it cuts women at the knees man what if what if you just lived in obedience to the reality that was in front of you you know mm-hmm. it's like kind of a fundamental thing for both men and women mm-hmm. that were kind of invited to just mm-hmm. uh be be obedient to what is true mm-hmm. in your life mm-hmm. and that kind of speaks to like Patrick, what you're talking about, the, lo- the locality thing seems kind of nuts on the surface level. You're like, you're telling me women over here are different than women over there because I think w- all women are women. And it's like, no, like life is messy and complicated and different. And the way that a, like an extreme example, like the way that a woman is in the war in Ukraine mm-hmm. is different than the way that a woman is in the middle of a bustling suburb with the Starbucks on the corner. Yeah. Like there's just, it's just different. We, Illich even you know? uses the example. And that's not bad is the thing. That's not a, that's not wrong for those things to be different. Illich, Illich uses the, an actual, a really interesting example where there was this, uh, this, this tribe that when, um, the, when the men reached physical maturity, they would build, they would string their own bow and arrow. They string their own bow 
And when the women reached sexual maturity, they would weave their own basket. And that basket would be um, their basket for life. And the men would have that bow for life. And there was this, this cultural norm where if a woman touched your bow, you were emasculated. You could never pick it up again. And the only thing you could do is you go ba- out back and find the discarded basket and go pick up fruit with the women. Um, and there's this like, this is this cultural instance of, right. It's crazy to us. Um, mm-hmm. but that was how they understood masculinity and femininity. But he's like down the, a couple miles, like out down the mountain, like on the other side of the mountain, there's another tribe and the women wield bows and the men wield swords and like never the twain shall meet. And it's just like, there's so many different expressions of femininity and masculinity. And it's okay if two people's expressions of femininity contradict each other. Yeah. Call and me, I think call that's what, modernist. but I think that's, that's what we don't um, allow ourselves the freedom for it, it, Just look yeah. at time and history. Gosh, the way that we have defined it, time, history, culture, the way that we've defined masculine infinity, masculinity and femininity is constantly shifting and changing, right? We mm-hmm. do need to come back to those, those core tenements. Of like, what do we see in Genesis? What, what do we read, um, you know, from the beginning of, of time? What was God's original intention when he created man and woman? But um, I don't know. I think of you know the women of the French Revolution or the women. War time is always a time where it's like, man, women need to take on a different expression of their femininity because they're in a different yeah. place than, like you mm-hmm. said, the woman on the Starbucks corner. <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, I have to text my husband to go pick up my daughter. <laughs> That's okay. It's parenthood. I know. I was like, oh, we're still going. I, so This is how I'm expressing my femininity. I'm texting my husband. Um, <laughs> cool. So, okay. So we've got a couple of things. Um, Ethan, do you want to, do you want to throw in the Patreon and the, the review of the week and we'll like record it after and we'll, we'll do it in post. We'll do it in post. We'll do it in post. We'll, as in like, we'll record something after this Great. Episode. Okay. post this episode. We'll record. Something. So we'll post cool. this episode and then we'll record something. Well, I'm going to go eat some post cereal okay. and then we'll, we'll record Great. Something. All right. Got it. Yeah. If Ethan and Patrick hadn't been full of naivete in college, they wouldn't have started this podcast. If they didn't have people supporting them on Patreon, this podcast would have stopped making sense a long time ago. Because of those patrons, you now get to listen to the best Catholic comedy podcast in existence. This is Patron of the Week. For those listeners with a fighting spirit. Hey guys, just a little, just a little, just a little, we're going to put this right in between, we're going to put this right in between um, uh, the, the episode and Dr. We're going to give the episode the old snip snip and we're going to put this right in there, right in the, in the middle. Sorry, is that a reference to something? I, all I, all I do is edit audio and the little scissors crop up when you're cutting things out and I kind of like it. It goes, whoop, whoop. Okay. So that we've been doing for the past couple of weeks that I really like is we've been shouting out a patron. Uh, we've been shouting out a patron and giving them, giving them some, giving them some oh, love. Yeah. And today, I we uh, we need to shout out Camille. Have to. Today we got to shout the out Camille. Goat. Camille is amazing. She's been she's been around forever. She's been supporting us for. She sent us um, the only shot glass that I have in my house. Well, hold on. Whoa, really? <laughs> yeah, really. That's that's rude. Yeah, sorry about that. When when? Oh my gosh! And I can't even. I don't, I don't know how she got my address. Anyway, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you would have sent yeah, it probably. to her. 
Uh, I don't actually, I don't know how long she's a been long listening. Time. She's one of those people. There's, she's one of those people where I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. She's like, yeah, I've been listening since the SoundCloud days. Yes. That's sadly one time I saw her, I was at Texas A&M for a wedding and I went to St. Mary's for mass and I saw someone across the aisle that looked like Camille. And I was like, that's funny. It looks like Camille. Turns out it was her. And we just didn't talk to each other her. because she was like, is that Ethan? And I was like, is that Camille? But neither of us like addressed it. And so I could have met one of our patrons uh, when I was at this wedding, just totally serendipitously. But instead, we both were suspicious. And that's why the hermeneutic of suspicion is not something you should live in. <laughs> I think she's been a patron for about two, two years, years, which is crazy. Thank you, Camille, for giving us so much money. <laughs> so thank you, Camille, for giving us so much money and for being an integral part of the Crunch community, yes. the Crunch community. If you want to join the Crunch Discord, you should. Bit.ly slash Crunch Discord. And you too can hang out like Camille. Yes. Hang out with Camille. You don't want to hang out with us. You want to hang uh, out with Camille. Do we have a review? If you think this episode is worth a dollar or more, please support us on Patreon. If you can't, if you can't support us on Patreon, we get it. We understand. A lot of patrons leave and come back. It's fine. These um, are hard we, economic times. Hard economic times. You've seen the price of gas? Oh my gosh! It used I told to my be, boss I was driving up. It, it used to be so much say, lower. It used to be you could support the Crunch for a month for the price of a gallon of gas, and that's just not true anymore. You can support for like eighty percent of a gallon of gas. You can support the Crunch for one month for five dollars. Yikes. Uh, so we, if you want to support us on the crunch, but you, if you want to support the crunch, but you can't, uh, you can't pony up as it yeah. were, you can, uh, you can drop a review on iTunes, like a lot of fine folks have been doing. And that seriously helps a lot because it helps with visibility. Yes. It helps people look down and say, Hey, someone liked this episode from a week ago, not just, you know, three years ago. So we have, we have a, a, a review that's been, that was posted this Amazing. week. Uh, it's a five-star review, which is the only kind of review that exists for this podcast. It's from your boy, Ethan all hilarious. That's how you know nice. it's current hilarious and insightful. I've been listening to the freaking cast since 2017. Since then I've listened to a ton of other podcasts, but the crunch is the only one I still listen to. If you like jokes or Catholicism, you gotta listen. Thank you. Your boy, Ethan all uh, that's crazy. The only podcast you consistently listen to since 2017. That was like five a long years time ago to only listen to one. It's a podcast. long time. I don't listen to Are any you, podcast. I listen to you, five I'm years worried. Ago. You need to get a, diff- a plethora of ideas. You know, you need to. Um, yeah. But over five years of the crunch, we've talked about We've a also lot changed of our minds on a lot of things over five years. Oh, yeah. So really, yeah, like definitely. what you could do is you could listen to us now, current, and then listen to an old episode and you would get basically two different podcasts. So Lisa, Lisa hasn't been on since two rebrands. So I was like, she's basically not been on the podcast. Wild. Crazy. I wonder. I wonder what Lisa, Ethan, and Patrick are talking hey, about let's, right now. Let's chime back in. <laughs> let's check back in with those 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 hooligans. Okay. Huh? Bye. I know it All right, you came to the right place. You ding dong. It's called communication, baby. <laughs> So we're going to hop into Dr. Ethan's dating corner. This is Lisa, you you wrote a book about dating. Dating. So So I did. You're going to you better bring the heat. Is what Okay. I'm okay. I better have <laughs> All right. magical advice today. Magical advice. So this one comes from Jen. Shout out Jen. Hey Jen. Her short summary of a question is should I wait for him to make a move or should I say something? If yes, now or after summer when we see each other regularly again. So here's background. 
Here's the story. Yeah. So I met this guy a couple months ago at my college. Nice. And there's some stupid drama that prevented us from really talking until two weeks before we were moving. He lives in Minnesota during the summers and I in Kansas. So I'm definitely not going Let's to see go, him. Let's go, Kansas. Woo! Be- because we were leaving, I didn't really want to start anything. But now that I'm home, I find that I regret that decision. We've been texting almost every day since I moved, but I still am not sure if he likes me back. Before school ended, we hung out a couple of times, but it was mostly overshadowed by everything that was going on in our friend group. I don't know if I should say anything or if I should just trust and wait to see it, what happens in August. Love you guys and the podcast, Jen. Thanks. We hey, we love that you listen to the we podcast. We love you too, love Jen. It. I think you're the first listener that's told us that you love us. So that's very guys, nice. Guys, more parasocial relationships in the chat. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think, Lisa? Lisa yeah, you have any thoughts? Yes, Dr. Lisa. Oh, um, so so if I'm understanding this correctly, the issue is she's trying to figure out, do I say something to this guy about my liking him? Is that the sum up? Can we sum it up in that yeah, way? Yeah, do I, do I wait for him to do something? Do I say something? Do I do it now? Do I do it later? Yeah, so I mean, they're in two different states right now. So a part of me is like, I'd wait. That's where I'm coming from um, before I worried about next steps with this potential relationship just because yeah it's only going to cause complication if you're far away and what's going to happen is this it's likely going to delve into a text conversation and text conversations are never productive like this is i think something that you want to be able to actually see the person and see emotion and expression and have a real conversation about as opposed to being able to cover up emotion with texting and also you can put in some vagueness when you're texting so, so that's, that's uh, the biggest reason why I'm like, uh, if you want to like consider whether or not to have this conversation, I think you want to do it face to face. Cause that's a big conversation. You're Second bringing thing- my, you're bringing middle school Patrick's heart. I loved text relationships when I was in middle school, no <laughs> emotional commitment. I could think about what I said, but I had to run downstairs. So my phone died because it was, you know, yeah, 2011 yeah. charges. And whole- None um, of the commitment, all of the dopamine. It was, the best it was time. amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Every five minutes, your phone lighting up. Come on. Uh, Come on. Yeah. Right try your mar- try your marriage like that. Tell me how it goes, okay? Oh, oh it's no. not going to go well. <laughs> not going to go well at all. <laughs> I'll get back to you when I feel like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Patrick, yeah. you didn't put the red beans and rice in the crock pot before you left for work. I'll get back to you when I feel like it. <laughs> this is not the dopamine hit I was expecting when I saw your name on my phone. I did That's forget right. the red beans <laughs> and rice, though. I did forget to do uh, that. Oh yeah. shoot! I think. Um, you had two things, Lisa. You said you oh. didn't say oh, sorry. Thing. Lisa had something else. Because I mean, really, there's two questions: now or later, and do I bring it up or not? Right. So I'm I'm saying later, um, because if this is God's will, you're not that powerful. You're not going to mess it up that bad, right? Because you waited two months. So second thing I would say is um, maybe I'm a little old school here on this one, but I don't think it's wrong for a girl to bring up the hey, can we have a conversation? But what I encourage is that they not be the one to answer first. I think that has to be put on the guy. I think he has to be the one to take the risk. So if you're in this relationship and it's like obvious there's something going on between this friendship between the two of you. And it's like, yeah, I can tell. Like there's something different about it. Or I feel like there's something different about us. I've never asked, but he, the way he treats me compared to others is different. Or there's something going on here and I really want to explore this and I feel like I need to know from myself whether or not he wants to do this or else I'm going to continue to attach myself to this guy 
and maybe miss what it is that God's actually calling me to because I'm so laser focused on this guy and I need to know if I need to move on or not, right? So those are fair things, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I would, I would bring it up and then it's kind of like in focus, right? When you ask for the gift, you zip it, right? You just say, would you like to be on my support team? And then you shut up, right? So like, same yeah, same concept. Hey, I feel like there's something going on between us and I want to get your thoughts on that. And then you zip it because guys tend to easily go, I don't know. What do you think? And they turn the question back on you. Don't let them do that. Slippery. That's, yeah. That's where I stand. I think it needs, I think the guy needs to be the one to put his neck out there and to say it first. And, and, um, I think that's just part of maybe it's old school, but I think that that's part of his role as, as the guy. I, how do I, how'd I do, doctor? Once you do it, once you do it, it's so scary, but once you do it, it's exhilarating. <laughs> it's great. Once you're like, once you, once you feel like you're like, once you do it a couple of times, once you, once you like add this. So I read, I read your book at an, I read Dating Detox at an interesting part of my life. <laughs> ah. You really did. You really did. <laughs> it was an interesting part of my life. And over that summer, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to go on a dating detox because uh, I've never dated before. So I was like, mm. I'm just going to ask if I'm interested in a girl, I'm just going to ask her out. And I did it like a couple of, like asked her, I asked the girl out a couple of times, like a couple of girls out just on like, let's go for dinner. And I got rejected like, uh, uh, like two out of three times, but I was like, this is great. I was like, I was like nothing can stop me now. <laughs> you got over the fear. Yeah. I love it was it. gone. It was done. It was awesome. So just guys don't, for being, you feel like you're being harsh. Don't worry. You only got to do it a few times in your life. Then you're, then you're done. I don't have to do it again. Hopefully. I just got to. I got addicted to just telling women that I liked them. Uh, no, you know, that's, that doesn't go and it, anywhere. It wasn't. It wasn't the same. It wasn't the same commitment level as like, will you go out with me? It was just like, mm. yeah, I'm really attracted to you, and I, I really like you a lot. Yeah. And I would just say that to every girl that I met. Yeah, that's which, like you ever written. Splash I don't Mountain? advise. I don't advise, but it was a ton of fun. I had a great time. Do you ever, but like, was it worth? You it? ever read? No, you ever read? You ever written Splash Mountain? Yeah. Uh, at in, Disney World. At Disney World. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. So in at Disney World in Splash Mountain. There's those like the the ride knows that you know about the giant drop, and yeah. so they try and make you think the drop's about to come, and so they do like these big like oh we're going down, and then it, it's it's not actually. That's what telling a girl is. Hey, I kind of like you actually. I have something I want to tell you, and I kind of think that I, I like you. Do you like me? That's what that's that that's the <laughs> roller, and then it's just it doesn't mm -hmm. go anywhere. It just, it's just down. Mm -hmm. Doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very creative of them to just because rides really could just be just going up and then going down. Yeah, you know, like that could that's the whole ride. But really, they kind of they get you to that level by kind of faking you out three times. It's very creative. Well, no, of them. and then Walt they do, knew then what they, he was doing. Then they just put you straight up, and you're like, oh, it's definitely coming because I can oh, it's, see the light. It's coming because yeah. I can. I'm st I'm getting stressed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I Lisa, I think your answer is great. I think the only said contra I would have would be that. Uh, if it is God's will, then she could say something now and it wouldn't have any impact in the same way if she waited for two months, you know, like, I'm like, let's just get it out there. So we don't spend, so you don't waste this, waste this whole summer thinking that something's going to happen when you get back to school. Cause I feel like the ex, if the expectation builds for two whole months and it's just like, I want something to happen, I want something to happen. Then you get back and it's August and it doesn't happen. It's like, Ooh, and you got, there's all this other friend group drama going on. I'm like, how about you FaceTime the guy or fly? I don't know. And, uh, 
And say what you said. Mm-hmm. Boombox. Fly. Wow, that's a $500 commitment no matter where you're going right now. It's, well, just make it a trip because there's lots of things to see in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I heard they got a lot of lakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, guess it, I guess this would be a hard one to advise on because I don't know how deep this relationship is, right? Yeah, is this yeah, all yeah, just in her point. head? Or is it mm. like, no, 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 like it's pretty obvious. We just didn't get to the point because the friend drama like put a pause on it. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I go, yeah. dang, well, Where's the guy in this then? Like, wh- why hasn't he stepped up yet? If if it was yeah. getting to the point where, I mean, if it's in her head and she shows up and she flies out to his house, like, that might be an awkward moment. If anybody's flying anywhere, the guy should be flying to Kansas. Because first of all, tons to do. Lot, great place. <laughs> you ever hear a quick Lots trip? <laughs> oh, it's a can, I interest you, can I interest you in the Flint Hills? They're flat. But... They're hills. They're not. And so it's a it's the great uh It's a breadbasket of America. The great contradiction of Kansas. And it is the breadbasket of America. Mm-hmm. I think it's great that's great advice, Lisa. I think we would need to know some more details, but mm-hmm. um Unfortunately there's I no way to contact if, this person who gave us their email. So all of the all of the principles that you set forth are, are very solid and sound. So it was very good. Right. Um this is a this was a good time. I feel like I learned a lot. I don't I don't know of anybody else. I feel like I just got like a my, I feel like my I just wheels a college are spinning. Course. My wheels are spinning. Yeah. I got I got a lot. I'll be I'll be shooting you texts, Lisa. Be like, hey, do you have any? I need help yeah. on this. You bet. Happy. Some notes, Patrick. I will say you can't refer to Edith Stein as Edith because you guys aren't friends. Like you do. We not, are on a first name basis. <laughs> you are not Edie. on a first name basis with Edie. Um, Edie and Gertie, my two favorite philosophers. <laughs> one of the one of the interesting things I've found about um, fem- female theologians and philosophers is that people are more comfortable referring to them as their first name instead of their last name. Have you noticed that's that? interesting? Huh. I've never thought about it before, and maybe that's just kind of the softness to femininity that people feel yeah, more. See, I was reading. I was reading some Carol the other day, and uh, thought it was really good. That's true. You know, that's true. I would never say. Carol, yeah. I was reading Yosef. My, huh. it's like no, I, I read I read uh, Ratzinger. People typically don't say Voitiwa, but they'll say JP two, but they will say Ratzinger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, or like oh, yeah, Henri, yeah, Henri, mm-hmm. or yeah, Therese, uh, Therese, Therese. Yeah. yeah, that's true. It's true. So it's well, I mean, you had Augustine, and, yeah, yeah. We didn't really have a Augustine last name. Had, Augustine didn't have a last yeah. name. His last name was of Hippo. <laughs> yeah. People people do that with uh, Thomas Aquinas. I guess they'll say they'll say Thomas. They'll they will say Thomas. They only only pretentious Thomas say Thomas because they're always mm-hmm. referring. But to most him. people say Aquinas mm-hmm. because that was also his last name. <laughs> Lisa, how can how can people buy the book? How do where do they go? What website? What's the URL? HTTP slash. <laughs> well, it's uh, <laughs> forgetting the website. Uh, who's my publisher? Ascension, but it's not just Ascension. It's. Ascensionpress.com slash reveal the gift. Reveal the gift. I did it. I did it. Uh, That was tough. Ascensionpress.com slash reveal the gift. You should buy it from Ascension because why should we give those those people over at Amazon any more money than they already have? They're going to be fine. You know who's not going to be fine? Ascension Press. If you don't freaking buy books from their website, come on. Just do it. Uh, Also, Ascension Press, if you're listening, my friend Patrick is really good at writing books. (laughs) I did. Uh, I did not. Any... I did not submit the. I did not submit the restoring Eden book to Ascension. Hmm. But if it falls through with Paul, I'll send it over. <laughs> there you go. There should be like a. It's like a gang fight, like an Anchorman, like all the different like Paul and. 
Ave Maria and Ascension. I was I wanted to watch Anchorman with my wife, but her feminine genius said we probably should have. Yeah. Ascension Press. Ascension Press. You brought a trident. Anyway, um, it's a stupid joke. Lisa, is there anything else you need to plug or want to plug? No, not really. Um, just great. Yeah. The book, I'd love, you know, if, and if people too want to do it as a book club, so they want to get together, um, it's got questions at the end of each chapter. It's 10 weeks, so it's a really good one. You could do it in five. You could do two chapters a week, or you can do chapter a week. And if you do it, give me a, a little ring. Give me a message. And on the last day of your meeting, I will zoom in and do an author Q&A. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. That's Happy cool. Join y'all. So if you if you want to have a live podcast unrecorded, otherwise known as a conversation with Lisa, you should buy her book. <laughs> there you go. Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? The masculine genius is podcasts. Mm. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We will be praying for you and we will see you all next week. Thank you, Lisa.